Chapter 4 of the Book of Foundations by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Book of Foundations, written by St. Teresa of Avila and translated from the Spanish by the Reverend John Dalton. Before I proceed further, I think it proper, as I know not how long our Lord may spare my life, or whether I have more leisure, for at present I have but little, to give some directions whereby the prioress may be able to judge and to conduct those souls committed to them to greater perfection, though not with so much pleasure to themselves. I should observe that when I was commanded to write these foundations, omitting the first of St. Joseph of Avila, which I wrote immediately, There were already founded, by God's blessing, seven other monasteries, including that of Alba de Tormes, which was the last of them. And the reason why no more were founded was that my superiors employed me in another business, as hereafter will be seen. But considering what happened for some years in these monasteries relating to spiritual things, I see the necessity there is of saying what I now wish to mention. May it please our Lord that I may properly treat this matter conformably to what I see so necessary. And since what I'm about to speak upon are no illusions, our minds must not therefore be terrified, because, as I have said elsewhere in some little rules I wrote for the sisters, as long as we live in obedience and with a pure conscience, our Lord never permits the devil so far to prevail as to deceive us in any way prejudicial to our soul. Rather, does it happen that he himself is often deceived? And as he knows this, I believe he does not so much produce this evil in us as our own perverse inclinations and bad humors, especially if these be melancholy, because women are naturally weak, and our self-love that reigns in us is very subtle. Hence, many persons have come to me, both men and women, besides the nuns of these monasteries, who I clearly perceived were often themselves deceived, though against their will. I firmly believe that the devil is accustomed to meddle in such matters on purpose to deceive us. But of the great numbers whom, by God's goodness, I have seen, I do not observe that our Lord abandoned them. Perhaps he wished to exercise them by these fears, that so they might gain more experience. The duties concerning prayer and perfection are so forgotten in the world, on account of our sins, that I consider it necessary to declare my sentiments in this manner. For if men, even without seeing any danger, are afraid to walk this way, what would it be if they were told there were some danger? It is true, however, that in everything there is some danger, and therefore, as long as we live, we should in all things walk in fear and beseech our Lord to teach us the right way, and not forsake us. But as I believe I once said, if sometimes we are permitted to fear, can those fear who strive earnestly to think of God, and endeavor to become more and more perfect? O my Lord, as we see that Thou often deliver us from dangers into which we willfully throw ourselves, even to offend Thee, Shall we believe that thy majesty will not free us when we have no other object or desire but to please thee 
and entertain ourselves with thee. This I can never suppose. It might indeed happen that God, by certain secret judgments, may permit some things to fall out in one way, and others in a different way. But never did he draw evil out of good. And thus we should hereby be excited to walk faster on our road to perfection, so that we may please our spouse and find him the sooner. But this should not make us weary. Rather, it should animate us to walk with fortitude over the rough passes of this life and not be terrified with our journey, since in the end, by walking with humility, we shall, through God's mercy, arrive at the city of the heavenly Jerusalem, where all that we have endured in this life will appear little or nothing in comparison with the glory we shall possess. As now these little dovecots of the Blessed Virgin, Our Lady, began to fill, so His Divine Majesty began also to show His greatness in these poor, weak women, though strong in good desires and in disengagement from every creature. And this it is that tends most to unite a soul with her Creator, especially if we walk with a pure conscience. There is no need to prove this point. For if the disengagement be real and sincere, it seems to me impossible to offend God. And as all their discourses and meditations relate to him, so his majesty appears unwilling to depart from them. This is what I now see and speak with truth. Let those fear who shall come after us and read these words. And if they see not what we now see, let them not ascribe to it to the times. For at all times God is ever ready to bestow good favors upon those who serve him in earnest and endeavor to discover and correct whatever imperfection there may be in them. I have sometimes heard it said concerning the beginnings of religious orders, because they were beginnings, our Lord bestowed greater favors on those saints who preceded us. And so indeed it is. But we should consider that we also our foundations for those who come after us. And if we, who are now living, had not fallen away from the fervor of our predecessors, and if those who succeed us should not do the like, the building would always continue firm and immovable. What good do I gain that the saints before me were so perfect if I, who have come after them, continue so wicked leaving the edifice quite ruined and destroyed by my evil habits. For it is evident that they who come after us do not so much regard those who have long passed away as they do those whom they see present. The excuse we make in not belonging to the first beginnings is quite ridiculous, for we consider not the difference there is between our life and virtue and the life of those saints on whom God bestowed such great favors. Oh my God, what false excuses and what manifest cheats are these? I am grieved, oh my God, for being so wicked and for having done so little in thy service. But I know well the fault lies entirely on my side, that thou bestowed not on me those favors which thou showed to my predecessors, my life confounds me, O Lord, when I compare it with theirs. I cannot speak of it without tears. I see I have lost that which they earnestly labored for, 
and in no way can I complain of thee. It is not good that any should complain. But if they should see their order failing in anything, let them endeavor to become such stones in it as may be serviceable in repairing the building, and our Lord will keep them therein. But to return to my subject, for I have digressed much, the favors which our Lord bestows in these houses are very great, for he conducts them all by means of meditation. And some have attained perfect contemplation, while others have advanced so far as to have raptures. And on several more, our Lord bestows favors of another kind, giving them in addition revelations and visions, which is quite evident do come from God. There is now no house in which may not be found one or two or three such favored souls. I am well aware that sanctity does not consist in visions. But it is not my intention solely to praise these nuns, but to make it appear that the remarks I have wished to make are not without a purpose.